Welcome to the Hedgemaker Broadcast. The prophet Ezekiel prophesied to the nation of Israel many long years ago. Ye have not gone up into the gaps, neither made up the hedge for the house of Israel to stand in the battle in the day of the Lord. He also said that the Lord sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land, that I should not destroy it, but I found none. Hedgemaker Baptist Ministries, located in beautiful Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, is attempting to stand in the gap and make up the hedge in these days of spiritual compromise and theological apostasy. Our biblical and historical Christian heritage challenges us to fill in the gaps left by those who have moved away from their biblical foundation. Listen now as we build up the wall and make up the hedge through sound preaching from God's Holy Word. Alrighty, we are in chapter 13 of the book of Mark. It is Mark's rendition of the all of the discourse of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let me review the first 13 verses. In fact, I'll read those and make comments as we go, just for review, because what we're picking up in verse 14 tonight will be a continuation of this. And as he went out of the temple, one of his disciples saith unto him, this is the last week of Jesus' ministry, he's in and out of the temple, several times cleansing the temple, seeing the widow's might in the temple, folks trying to get him caught in trouble, So he has opposition. I think we've seen three or four of those already, as recorded by Mark's Gospel. So the disciples said to him, Master, see what manner of stones and what buildings are here. Magnificent Herod's temple. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Seest thou these great buildings? There shall not be left one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives. So they left the temple and headed toward the Mount of Olives. And that was over against the temple, looking across, Peter, James, and John, and Andrew asked him privately, tell us, when shall these things be? When is this temple going to be destroyed? What shall be the sign when all these things shall be fulfilled? So we've been looking at some of the signs of fulfilling these things. And the first one is there in verses 5 and 6, Jesus answering them began to say, Take heed, lest any man deceive you, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. The first sign of these troubling things was spiritual deception and the false messiahs. Verse 7, And when ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars, Be ye not troubled. The second sign was wars and rumors of wars, or international disturbances. For such things, he says, must needs be, but the end shall not be yet. That's going to be a key thought. We've talked about that already. It's just the beginning of things. And then uh, that international war continues there in verse 8. For nation shall rise against nation. Okay, so international disturbances and kingdom against kingdom. The third sign, middle of verse number 8, and there shall be earthquakes in divers places, and there shall be famines and troubles. These are the beginnings of sorrows. So the third sign is the natural disasters. Earthquakes are listed there, famines, troubles. Matthew, in Matthew 24, records that, I think, as pestilences. Sign number 4, Persecution by civil and religious authorities. Verse number 9. 
But take heed to yourselves, for they shall deliver you up to councils, and in the synagogues ye shall be beaten, and ye shall be brought before rulers and kings for my sake, for a testimony against them. Alright, so the fourth sign was that of persecution. Those first four are somewhat corollary to the four horsemen and uh, the fifth seal that is opened in Revelation chapter number 6 where we have persecution of the tribulation's martyrs, the tribulation saints. And then sign number 5 in verse number 10, worldwide evangelism. We mentioned it when we read this passage, studied it before. This is a prophecy regarding the gospel being disseminated in the entire world during the tribulation. Not that it's not being done today, and we ought to attempt to do that. The gospel must first be preached, or published rather, among all nations. Then uh, sign number six. Sign number six is a supernatural witness. The Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, is going to give supernatural help. The book of Revelation, we'll look at it some other time, not tonight. I don't think we'll have time to get to it. I believe it's in chapter 7 and 11 in the book of Revelation. But we'll come to that later. I don't think we'll have time for it tonight. But the supernatural witnesses in verse 11 here of the text, Mark 13:11, And when they shall lead you and deliver you up, take no thought beforehand what ye shall speak, neither do premeditate what you shall speak is the idea, but whatsoever shall be given you to speak in that hour, that speak ye. So supernatural witness, the Holy Spirit helping them in that hour, for it is not ye that speak, but the Holy Ghost. So that will be a sign of these terrible things. Verse 12, sign number 7, divided families. Now the brother shall betray the brother to death, and the father the son, and the children shall rise up against their parents, and shall cause them to be put to death. And ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. Alright, so sign number seven, divided families. And then sign number eight, some enduring and being saved. But he that shall endure unto the end, now remember we're in the middle of the tribulation here, or in the midst of the tribulation. So this is a message for tribulation. They're not martyrs yet until they die. People that are persecuted during the tribulation. Alright, uh, if you endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. So there are eight signs in this passage, and we suggested earlier in our previous study, we've spent a couple weeks now on this, that these are signs that accompany any judgment of the Lord. Alright, so sort of generic things, but they will be seen in the end time. Now today, tonight, we want to begin looking at the next verse, which is verse 14, where Jesus says, But when ye shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, standing where it ought not, let him that readeth understand, then let them that be in Judea flee to the mountains, and let him that is on the housetop not go down into the house, neither enter therein to take anything out of his house, and let him that is in the field not turn back again for to take up his garment. And this passage will take us through verse 23, but we won't get that far, I don't believe, this evening. 
So we'll just read those first initial verses. You could call this sign number nine. Now these are signs we're looking at in Mark's Gospel. All right. So the ninth sign will be the most terrible sign. He calls it the abomination of desolation. I want to show you tonight that that will take place in the middle of the tribulation. So what we've read prior to this is the first half of the tribulation where Jesus said back in Mark, uh, and I have to turn back here to this passage again, Mark 13 and verse 8, these things are the beginnings of sorrows. There's an analogy being made. It's made in the Old Testament. It will be made in the New Testament. The sorrows, of course, would relate to the persecutions and troubles of the tribulation. But there's, the analogy is that of a woman in travail. So the sorrows are as a woman in travail. And they begin during the first half of the tribulation. And it's like prior to the Lord's coming. The scenario we have is the seven-year period of the tribulation and then the Lord coming after that. We'll look at it later, but in Revelation 12, uh, it talks about a woman who is about to give birth. I believe that's a picture of the nation of Israel through whom Jesus Christ came and the devil is going to try to destroy that child. And we've had that in history. We've also suggested to you over the years that Bible prophecy is double, triple, quadruple reference. And we'll try to show you that tonight again with the abomination of desolation. Now, before we go any further with this, I happen to leave our computer here this afternoon, and so I'm going to use it since it's here. I think I showed you this once before. This is a chart, a series of charts, Regarding future events, the order of events in Bible prophecy is what it's called as soon as it gets up there on the screen. And it starts with the Lord's first coming and then his resurrection. Those will be the first two things on the chart. And then we'll take it from there. There we go. Christ's first resurrection is the Christmas story. We have it. The cross. And then 50 days after and then there was Pentecost. Pentecost was also a prophesied event. Uh, that to us is history. Uh, that already took place. And then we have the present church age. We don't know how long that age is. Sometimes when you see these in the chart, there's a question mark. Because we don't know how long the church age is. That's pictured in the book of Revelation in chapters 2 and 3 with the seven churches. The next event. So we're going to number these starting with number 1 here. Next event, these are the events that are to us prophetic. They're not history yet. Is the rapture of the church, rapture of those who are in Christ. First Thessalonians chapter 4. You know when that's going to take place. Could happen at any moment. So that's the next event to take place. And then probably shortly thereafter, the judgment seat of Christ in heaven. There seems to be indication of that. In the book of Revelation, the rapture could be pictured in chapter 4 where John is told to come up hither. He's on earth and he hears a voice in heaven and the voice says come up hither. And then from that point on we have John's record of what he sees in heaven. Then it's the tribulation. Now with that we divide that 
seven-year period into two halves. All right, three and a half years on one side, three and a half on the other, 42 months, 126, uh, 1260 days. In the middle of the tribulation, this is where we're going to find the abomination of desolation. I believe the Antichrist is around during the first half, parading as a man of peace, riding on that first white horse rider in Revelation 6, making peace, but Daniel tells us that he breaks that covenant in the middle of the week. And at that point is when he declares himself as the world ruler. I think there will be some events also that will help to catapult him into worldwide fame. And so you have Revelation 13, where the Antichrist then pops on the scene in the book of Revelation. And the second half of the tribulation, the trouble of the tribulation intensifies. Again, we'll see that tonight. You go from there, after the tribulation is the second coming of Christ. Right, where Christ comes back, the saints are raptured here in heaven, they come back with him after the tribulation. And then we have the battle of Armageddon, then the millennium, and then you have following that, the great white throne judgment. In the book of Revelation, you have the trouble of the tribulation covers Revelation 6 through 18. The second coming is Revelation 19. The, Rev uh, the millennium is uh, Revelation uh, 20. And the great white throne, I think, is chapter 21. And then we have the new heaven and the new earth, Revelation 22. Chronological order there in the book of Revelation. Let's go now to Mark 13, 14 again. And when ye shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, standing where it ought not, let him that readeth understand. Then let him that be in Judea flee to the mountains. Just for cross-reference sake, let's go to the Gospel according to Matthew, Matthew chapter 24, Matthew gives the same Olivet Discourse, perhaps with a little bit different details. And so let's read that passage of Scripture as well. Matthew chapter 24. Let me just hit some highlights in this passage as well. Matthew 24 verse 1, Jesus went out and departed from the temple. And his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, There shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. Evidently the disciples were enthralled with the magnificence of the building. And Jesus had said earlier about the temple being destroyed. And so perhaps they're taking off on that. So they make their way to the Mount of Olives. And they ask him privately, Tell us, when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the earth? So Matthew here records these are signs for the coming of Christ and the end of the earth. They're technically not signs for the rapture, although trouble is on its way. And so many of these things are already being seen like wars and rumors of wars and earthquakes and so forth. And all of those are explained there. Now go to verse 15, Matthew 24, 15. When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet 
Stand in the holy place. Whoso readeth, let him understand. Then let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains. Let him which is on the housetop not come down to take anything out of his house. Neither let him which is in the field return back to take his clothes. Very similar to what we've read in the Gospel of Mark. But the time frame, what we've been looking at is the first half of the tribulation. Mark calls it the beginning of sorrows. Matthew does the same thing. Matthew 24, verse 8. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Now, we're not going to finish our study of the abomination of desolation tonight. So basically, I'm going to just introduce it this evening with the first of comments that we want to make about the abomination of desolation. It's such a terrible sign. The ninth sign as we're looking in the Gospel of Mark such a terrible time that it is called an abomination of desolation. We'll see some other things. It's a terrible sign, such a terrible time that they're told to flee. But that'll be next week. We won't get that far this evening. So, it is called the abomination of desolation. Now, notice what he says. Both here, I think, in, uh, in Matthew, Matthew 24, 15, Spoken of by Daniel the prophet, Jesus says the same thing in Mark's gospel, Mark 14 or 13:14, spoken of by Daniel the prophet. When ye shall see this abomination of desolation, so it is such a terrible time. And there are three passages in the book of Daniel that mention the abomination of desolation. We need to go back and look at them. Daniel chapter 9, first of all. Daniel chapter 9, verses 24 through 27. This is the passage that deals with the Antichrist. He's not called the Antichrist here in Daniel, but as we compare Scripture, we believe that's who he's talking about. Daniel 9. And begin reading at verse 24. Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city. Thy people is Israel. Thy holy city is Jerusalem, to finish the transgression and to make an end of sins and to make reconciliation for iniquity and to bring in everlasting righteousness and to seal up the vision of the prophecy and to anoint the most holy. What are there? Five, six different things there? That the purpose of this 70th week or these 70 weeks it's a time of judgment. God is judging His people. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem, that was given by King Cyrus. Okay? He gave that decree to go back and rebuild the city under the ministry of Ezra and Nehemiah. Unto that, uh, from that time that command was given, unto the Messiah the Prince shall be Seven weeks and three score in two weeks. You put all that together, that's 69 weeks. So we have one week left. The streets shall be built again, and the wall even in troublous times. But after the 60 and two weeks, you have the seven weeks first. I've never really figured out the significance of why there's a break there. The seven weeks separate from the 62 weeks. There's some kind of significance for that. 
And I'm sure there are different people have ideas about that, but I've never really figured that out definitively myself. If you know the answer, let me know. So we're talking about after the 62 weeks, which really is after the 69 weeks, because you have the 7 to begin with, and then the 62. Shall Messiah be cut off? That's the crucifixion. And not for himself. And the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. The city is the city of Jerusalem. The sanctuary will be the holy place in the temple. And the end thereof shall be with a flood. And unto the end of the war, desolations are determined. Now there's the word desolation. And he, this prince that shall come, the Antichrist, we call him in the New Testament, shall confirm the covenant with many for one week, that 70th week. And in the midst of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. And for the overspreading of abominations, he shall make it desolate. Okay, so an abomination that makes for desolation or that causes desolation. Desolation is used a lot of times in the Bible. The land has been laid desolate, unproductive. An abomination is something that is abhorrent, something that causes a stink or something that is a reproach, something that is repulsive to the Lord. An abomination of desolation. He shall, uh, for the overspreading of abominations, notice they are plural abominations, he shall make it desolate even until the consummation, and that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. Now one thing to keep in mind as well, we're talking about a week here, the word week is the word uh, sabbat or something along the line of, I don't know if I pronounce it in Hebrew correctly, uh, seven. A group of sevens. Okay? And uh, so it's a group of seven years. The prophetic week is a group of seven years. And you can figure that out with the 62 and the seven years, how you come up with the time frame from the time that Cyrus gave that decree to come back and rebuild the city and rebuild the wall until the time that Jesus was crucified. It fits for those many years. The 70th week is a, a group of seven years. And uh, that's how we put that together prophetically. The next place that Daniel mentions the abomination of desolation is in Daniel 11 and verse 31. Here we find Daniel prophesying about the little horn. Daniel's the one who made this prophecy also about Babylon and then the uh, uh, Medo-Persians and then the the Greco-Macedonian Empire and finally the Roman Empire. That is explained for us in the prophecies and dreams that are in this book. Darius was a Persian ruler. Okay, and from him... We have in history the man called Antiochus Epiphanes. He is probably historically to us, prophetically to Daniel, fulfilling this prophecy, at least partially. I think the Antichrist fulfills it completely. Let's read Daniel 11, beginning at verse number 21. Daniel 11:21, And in his estate shall stand up a vile person, to whom they shall not give the honor of the kingdom. 
but he shall come in peaceably and obtain the kingdom by flatteries. That's what Antiochus Epiphanes did. That's what the Antichrist will do in the future. And with the arms of a flood shall they be overflown from before him. So there's the analogy of a flood coming in and overwhelming and shall be broken. Yea, also the prince of the covenant. And after the league made with him, he shall work deceitfully. That's the work of the, of the devil. That's the work of the Antichrist. He's the deceiver. And he shall come up and shall become strong with a small people. He shall enter in peaceably, even upon the fattest places of the province, and he shall do that which his fathers have not done, nor his father's fathers. He shall scatter among them the prey and spoil and riches. Yea, and he shall forecast his devices against the strongholds, even for a time. And he shall stir up his power and his courage against the king of the south. Now, from Jerusalem, south would be Egypt. North would be Babylon, Assyria, Chaldea, those countries, because you're going up and over the Fertile Crescent. Okay, So I don't think the Antichrist is either the king of the south or the king of the north. I think there are three kings there. The Antichrist in the middle, the king of the south, Egypt, the king of the north, Babylon. Okay, so he shall stir up uh, his power and his courage against the king of the south with a great army, and the king of the uh, south shall be stirred up to battle with a very great and mighty army. But he shall not stand, for they shall forecast devices against him. Yea, they that feed of the portion of his meat shall destroy him, and his army shall overflow, and many shall fall down slain. And both these kings' hearts shall be to do mischief and they shall speak lies at one table. Sound familiar? <laughs> yeah, peace, peace when there is no peace. But it shall not prosper, for yet the end shall be at the time appointed. Then shall he return into his land with great riches, and his heart shall be against the holy covenant, and he shall do exploits and return to his own land. Now, one of the things that you have to try to figure out reading these chapters in Daniel, who is the king of the south, who is the king of the north, who is the Antichrist, and who is the he? Which one of those three are you talking about when you read this? Okay, because it says he, 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 he. Who is the he? We're talking about the king of the south now. We're talking about the Antichrist, the, this willful king, this little horn as he'll be called here. So, uh, verse 28, he's going to do exploits. Verse 29, at the time appointed, he shall return and come toward the south, and it shall not be as the former or as the latter. For the ships of Kittim shall come against him. Therefore, he shall be grieved and returned and have indignation against the Holy Covenant. Okay, now the Holy Covenant would be something to do with the nation of Israel. So shall he do. He shall even return and have intelligence with them that forsake the Holy Covenant. And arms shall stand on his part. And they shall pollute the sanctuary of strength. And shall take away the daily sacrifice. And they shall place the abomination that maketh desolate. There's a little bit of an explanation of what the abomination of desolation is. Pollute the sanctuary. That's the holy place. And take away the daily sacrifice and shall place the abomination that maketh desolation. 
Well, in history, that's what Antiochus Epiphanes did. In the year 178 B.C., Antiochus Epiphanes was the king of Syria who conquered Jerusalem and tried to force the Grecian culture upon the Jews. And he wanted the Jews to become full-fledged Greeks, both in custom and in religion. And he knew that to be successful, he had to destroy the Jewish religion. This is the time when the Maccabees rose up to rebel against that. Therefore, he did three of the most horrible things that could ever be done in the minds of the Jewish people. Number one, he desecrated the temple by building an altar in the courtyard to the Grecian god Zeus, right in the courtyard of the temple. Two, he sacrificed swine's flesh upon the altar. That was an abomination to the Jews. And three, he set up a trade of prostitution in the temple chambers. This is Dr. Lee Hennies, and we want to thank you for listening to the Hedgemaker broadcast today. Most of our broadcasts are portions of a sermon that I have preached at church. Hedgemaker Baptist Ministries is a preaching, teaching, and writing ministry for myself. You can visit us on the web at hedgemaker.org. And let's be encouraged to stand in the gap and make up the hedge until Jesus comes again. <laughs>